0: Hello, hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. It is Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. Speaking of Tammany Hall, if you want to be a Tammany Hall terror, that means like the, the, the Tammany Hall grouping proper, you would be interested in money. Right. And unlike the Tammany Hall people, you'd be giving us your money. Very of taking, legally. Instead of taking the money. Um, it's a very
1: above board version of Tammany Hall.
0: The Tammany Hall Terror is, of course, the top level of our Patreon. And um, if you're interested in our Patreon, you head over to www.patreon.com slash machine, And uh, we have some really cool perks. And uh, we, we would love to have you as a patron on our show. Um, because there's some cool things like stickers and there's many episodes and there's the playlist of the month. There's so many cool things we're doing. And, you know, I mentioned it last week. I've mentioned it in weeks prior. Um, in 2022, we're going to be taking this show on the road. Just not just on not just live shows, because we're going to be planning that uh, with the goal being having the opportunity to to do live shows from, you know, places in New York like. Historical societies and 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 really you know cool places, but also um, just having some cool meetups. There's yeah. a lot of local people listen to the show, and um, uh, people have expressed interest in heading to see some of these haunted places we've spoken about, and uh, we want to facilitate that and uh, do it on the on the on the cheap cheap or the free free. Yeah. So um, if you join our Patreon, you get all the information on all that stuff coming on up. So, um, again, it's www.patreon.com slash NY Mystery Machine. Also, we we mentioned in our previous episodes our uh, uh, fan of the month, our listener of the month. Yes. And we've already talked about our September fan of the month. That was Autumn Underscore Lights. And um, we picked their review out and uh, I found out who Autumn Underscore Lights was. And that is... Dear friend of the show, fellow podcasting buddy, it is none other than from Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie, Carrie McCabe. Oh! Carrie! I almost said Carrie Ferrante, but she's married now to Sean. So now it's Sean. McC- <laughs> so now it's Carrie McCabe. But I found out who that was, and I was so happy, and I said thank you to Carrie. Thanks, um Carrie. and it goes to show you that I really don't know who these people are because I right. probably should have known that it was her who gave us our review. But um so so grateful to Carrie. Uh, and also, if you haven't yet, you know, we've every now and then we, we we throw an ad for them in our show. They throw an ad for us in their show. But be sure to check out Aid It Scare with yeah. Sean and Carrie. Um, they do some good, good it's stuff wonderful. over there. Um, really some creepy stuff. And they do a really cool thing, too, which I really adore that we don't do on our show. Because I love it for theirs and I never want to rip it off of theirs. <laughs> um, at the end of each of their episodes, they, they do like a a creepy news segment of all like weird creepy things happening in the world today so oh. if, so if they're covering a story that happened you know in like the 1800s mm-hmm. by the end of the episode they're still doing they're telling us things that are happening in the world today which is really cool i just wanted to give them a cool yeah. plug um because i'm very grateful for for that and so um so thank you for our subscribers thank you for other people who have liked and subscribed if you haven't yet it's super easy you Head over to apple um apple Podcasts or itunes whatever you call it these days and just drop us five stars and a review, and um, we appreciate all of that. That was a big old spiel about some stuff that you guys can do, and how how much we love you, and how how much we appreciate you. Yeah,
1: gotta you know gotta gotta do some housekeeping at the top.
0: Gotta to do some housekeeping at the top because if not, like most of the times, so I'll forget to do it at the at the bottom. Right. <laughs> so it's so important. Um, I'm excited about this week's episode, Christina. This is something that we've been talking about doing for a while now. Yes, we, very long We've time. given it mention. Um in other episodes talking about haunted places in New York.
1: Pretty sure it was in our trailer.
0: Did we talk about it in the trailer? I think too? we might have. Um, I'll let you introduce it because it's 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 your it's yours to introduce.
1: Well, we are going to one of the most haunted houses in all of New York City. And unlike others that are currently inhabited by the living, you can go visit this house very easily because this is the Merchant House Museum so today the merchant house museum stands in or nearby astor place adam how would you describe astor place to our visitors
0: astor place is um the coolest bit of new york history i think um astor place is home to like one of the craziest stories in american history that deals with theater um it's home to the astor place riot um, this Ooh. riot that took place in uh, on May 10th 1849 I'm gonna do my best to summarize the story without like being so like in it but um it basically uh, was a riot that uh that resulted in the largest number of civilian casualties due to military action in the United States since your American Revolutionary War what and this is happening literally at just like I think two blocks from um from the from the, from merchant, from, from house the merchant house, Museum? house that's Mexico. crazy um so basically There's two Shakespearean actors who are huge at this time. There's Edwin Forrest, American, um, and then there's William McGreedy, British. Um, Now, at this time, both of these actors were rocking Shakespeare all around the world. They both toured in each other's countries, right? Like Mm -hmm. Forrest has done it in London. Um, MacReady's done it in America. But um at this point, there's a lot of anti like a a, a sense of anti-English feel still in mm. America. Mm-hmm. Um Nativism is really on the on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um and so this this riot basically takes place at the Astor Opera House, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. And uh, it, it left between 22 and 31 writers dead and more than 100 people injured. The riot was multifaceted, um, but there's like three strands of okay. the facet, right? So basically, a dispute between MacReady, who had the reputation of being the greatest British actor of his generation, and in Forrest, who's the first real like American star. Like, okay. he is born in America. People know him. He's huge in Shakespeare. They're friends, but also rivals, sure. right? They have a friendly rivalry. Um, But because, you know, this this terrible Anglo-American relation that that we have in the 1840s where um, Americans and and English just not getting along, um, it kind of like starts to spread odd. And so there's a growing sense of cultural alienation Mm -hmm. between the British. Um, mainly from like, you know, working class Americans and, and also like Irish immigrants and other and other folks. Yeah. Um, and so in that, there's also a you know, class struggle, right? Mm-hmm. So like Forrest, um, Forrest is really getting supported by the working class and mm-hmm. Americans, while McGrady is supported by the, the upper classes. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so basically three nights before this riot, Forrest supporters um, bought hundreds of tickets to the opera, the the Astor Opera House, what I said, and um, for the, for McReady's performance on Macbeth. Also mm-hmm. important to know they're doing Macbeth at the same exact time oh, in, okay. in Lower Manhattan. They're both blocks away doing Macbeth at the same exact time. So Forrest's fans go um, and they start the rowing, all sorts of shit at the stage. They're ripping up the seats. They're like causing a whole thing. Mm. They're, they're, they're crying out, shame, shame, shame. And you never want to be shame, shame, shame. No. Um, and uh, they're, they're saying, quote, um, here's a fun quote, down with the codfish at, uh, aristocracy. <laughs> um, and so uh, meanwhile, at Forrest's performance, the audience rose and cheered and um so and yeah they rose and cheered at the most opportune time which was in the in macbeth's line where he says what rhubarb sena or what purgative drug will scour these english hens um so after this terrible terrible yeah. catastrophe in macready's performance um he's like i'm leaving for britain i'm going i'm leaving but he's persuaded to stay um and um and perform by you know, so many New Yorkers who love him. They're like, "No, you should say." Right. They are like getting people to like sign a petition to be like, "Hey, you know, everyone wants to see you." So he's like, "Fine, I will do it. I will stay." So on the day of the the riot, um, they they said that there there wasn't enough manpower to support any sort of civil discourse, um, so. Um, General Charles Stanford assembled the state's seventh regiment in Washington Square Park. They knew shit was gonna go down. Mm-hmm. There's murmurs. We've already saw what happened that performance when he got fruit and stuff thrown right. at him. They think worse is gonna happen. They ain't wrong. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so we get the regiment coming in as well as police support. Um, and at this point, there's like a total of three hundred and fifty. Um, to 450 people in uniforms to make sure everything is fine on the other side similar preparations take place Um, a Tammany Hall man hey Captain Isaiah uh, Reinders who's a very 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 far supporter uh, one of his backers Um, he had been one of those people behind the mobilization against McCready to begin with Mm -hmm. Um, he basically would go to um, salons saloons and restaurants across the city inviting working men and patrons to show their feelings about the British. Uh, and they, and, and they were on these, on these papers, it would say, shall Americans or English rule this city? And they handed out free tickets to Macready's May 10th show, uh, as well as where people should deploy. So it was building up. Yeah. Um, and so by the time the show opens at seven 30, scheduled, up to 10,000 people fill the streets around the theater. Um, one of the most uh, prominent among uh, among the supporters of Forest's cause was uh, Ned Buntline, who was a novelist and who was writer's chief assistant. Oh. And so basically, um, he, him, and all his followers bombard the theater with stones. They um, they pushed the police out of the way. It is all sense of crazy. So basically, in the middle of the street, we have. Um, all of the Farz people. And then in in competition, all the MacReady people come out. Right. So now we have MacReady's people. We have Farris people. Where are Farz and MacReady? Not there. They flee. And so basically at its end, this is a long story for, for really for it. basically it. Um, at its end, all these people start fighting. The militia, the rioters, the MacReady people. It is all sorts. The militias are trying to like kind of um, keep the peace, but also some of them are kind of like on one side. Mm, mm-hmm. So it is just absolute mayhem. Yeah. twenty two to thirty one riders killed, as I said. Forty eight wounded, one hundred twenty eight total with injuries. God. Um, up to up to about fifty to seventy policemen were injured. Um, of the militia, one hundred forty one were injured. It was insane. Damn. Um, and so, yeah, it it, it is, is now known as the Astor Place Riot. Um, it is an insane piece of history in America and it happened just a mere few blocks away from the merchant house. That's
1: insane.
0: What a, we've never taken a tangent like that, but I feel like it was such an important and and true crimey little story. So I don't feel, I don't feel bad about that tangent. Nor should you. So Astor Place Riot. It happened. McCready, Forrest. I had the opportunity when I lived in Philadelphia to to literally work at Edwin's Forest, Philadelphia residence, which is That's pretty cool. dope too. Um, we're pretty sure he haunted it. Oh. That's another thing. Yeah, Edwin Forrest, his ghost was a bitch. <laughs> My friend, who was the artistic director at the time, um, had set up his office in Edwin's old bedroom. Oh, which, I mean, it didn't look like bit, but like some of the, like, there was like yeah. the fireplace mantle and everything. And literally every time he'd enter his office, um, two of his signs, two of his um, awards on the wall would always be crooked. Every single wow. time he entered, every single, like no matter what. None of us ever saw it move, but we always came into his office and saw that there was things skewed and we always had to fix that. That's crazy. Anyway, the merchant house. <laughs> right. What were we talking thank about? You. That's whoa. So that's why I know about the Astor Place. That's why I know about Astor Place. Right. Yeah, that the initial that's prompt right. was Adam. What do you know about Astor Place? Right. Not right now.
1: Um. Well. Yes. Uh. Thank you. And uh. Today, Astor Place, um, is in the midst of the Public Theater and Cooper Union and McSorley's. When the house was first built in 1832, the area was home to some of the city's most wealthy, influential people. So Astor Place gets its name from John Jacob Astor, the real estate mogul and businessman whose house was neighboring the merchant's house. Um, Then apparently in 1849, there's this crazy riot. And by 1865, the neighborhood began to decline, becoming less affluent housing and more commercial development. Until by the time uh, 1933 rolls around when the last family member who lived in the house Died. The area was primarily manufacturing, saloons, uh, and the nearby Bowery was, you know, notorious as the nation's skid row. The reason that this particular residence has survived is in part because it's designated a landmark at the local, state, and federal levels because of its historical value. It is the only family home in New York City to survive intact from the 1800s with its original furnishings and architecture. And, fun fact, it was the first building to be designated by the Landmark Preservation Law of 1965.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, so I thought we could start a little bit here with a description of the house um, for a couple of reasons. In part because there are some architectural features that one will tell us a little bit about the family who were the primary inhabitants, and and two because some of the architectural features raise questions about who else may have been there. So,
0: okay, will there be any fun accents today?
1: Could try to work that in. Try to work that in. I hope. So the house is. Uh federal out style outside, Greek revival inside. It's like the uh the, the mullet of architecture. I was about to say, <laughs> about to say it, is,
0: is it the mullet of architecture. Yeah it is. Looking about the exact words.
1: So federal style simply means that it's you know one of those classic red brick houses, right? Large windows, fan shaped window over the door, beautiful steps with ornate iron banisters leading up to the entrance. And inside, the Greek revival inside, has beautiful varnished wooden floors, decorative moldings. This place is gorgeous. There are columns, high ceilings, stunning.
0: Are the timers still like this? Still. Oh, wow.
1: Still very much still. Yeah, no, it is It is pretty unchanged, which is awesome. one of the most incredible things about it. There's an the interesting architectural feature beneath it as well. So there's a 4000-gallon cistern underneath it. And this was found when the museum was being renovated in the 70s. What's a cistern? Oh, it's like it's it's a big watering container. So like there it, it's 4000 gallons of water that could sit in this cistern under the house. And what's fascinating about this, I think, is that this means that whoever's in the house, right, was well off enough to have a personal water supply, i.e. running water in the home a full 10 years before the municipal water system existed in New York City. Wow. There's another, and so I, I alluded to the idea that you know perhaps some of the architectural features can tell us about some of the other folks who have passed through the house mm-hmm. in one way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. So in a 1943 newspaper article, Uh, There's a description of a trap door under a carpet in one of the rooms. According to the article, the then curator said, No one really knows what it was for, as no record of it has ever been found. But it is generally supposed that the original builder of this house, who sold it to the Treadwells, spoiler, that's the family we're going to spend time with. Huzzah! May have either stolen slaves and sold them up north after the Revolutionary War, or... Maybe the Treadwells hid runaway slaves before the Civil War. Okay. So there's also a, or rather this, this trap door seems to be connected to a basement tunnel that leads to a street furthering that idea. And there was also a hiding place in one of the pillars between the front and back parlors that you could fit maybe three or four people inside. So that's sort of fascinating as well as a bit of the, the house history. The, the, Bulk of the time the house was lived in, uh, it was lived in by the Treadwells. And so the Treadwells were there from 1835 to 1933. Seabury Treadwell was born in Hempstead, Long Island in 1780. Seabury? Yes. The son of Anglican parents who were loyalists during the Revolution. His lineage is one of those long-standing American lines. So he had ancestors on the Mayflower, John Alden and Priscilla Mullins, whom, for the record uh henry wadsworth longfellow road the courtship of miles standish which was famously performed by literacy advocate wishbone the talking dog <laughs>
0: there it is seabury get a little love everything on the show
1: a little everything a little
0: everything i'll talk about blues next week
1: oh yes oh yes um his uncle was samuel seabury a farmer refuted fame from hamilton
0: hear ye hear ye hey. yes my name is Samuel Seasbury yeah so
1: this is this is the the family he's from
0: the name sounds familiar and that's where my brain went initially
1: yes so Seabury himself um, moves to New York City and becomes a hardware merchant and apparently at the time you could make big money as a hardware merchant because he did well enough to retire at age 55. Wow. And in 1835, purchased the house at 29 East 4th Street, where it stands today. There it is. He and his wife, Eliza Parker, had seven children, Elizabeth, Horace, Mary, Samuel, Phoebe, Julia, Sarah, and Gertrude. Gertrude, for the record, is the youngest and the only one of the Treadwell kids to be born in the house. It's also interesting to note that the family had 850 acres in Rumson, New Jersey. And that's important because why Why would you want this this country house at the time? Well, in the summers, the city is is yellow fever and cholera ridden, right? Oh. So just thinking about, you know what life is like as they're living there. That's a real concern. Three of the children married, and Phoebe, Julia, and Gertrude were the sisters who lived longest in the house. They never married, and they kept the house quote, as Papa would have wanted it. Now, it's been speculated that Gertrude, who is one of the, the primary haunters, um, may have had a suitor once, and that it's a really star-crossed lover's tale, because the story goes, according to family lore, that they courted, and when this individual, Louis Walton, asked Gertrude to marry him, he was refused, because mm. likely the the... Papa Treadwell, Seabury Treadwell, wouldn't have wanted her to marry him because he was the son of an English physician. So one, talking about those anti-English sentiments. Two, physicians, not very well regarded at the time. Huh. Especially if you trained in England. Wow. Secondly, Louis and his family were Roman Catholic. And thirdly, Louis's mother was Irish. And there was a lot of anti Irish, anti-Catholic feeling. So Absolutely
0: everything that I mentioned in the, yeah, the actual place riot.
1: Yeah. Really, really on target with that. So some some versions of lore say that, you know, Gertrude died of a broken heart, but oh god. She lived until 1933. She was she was a she had some good innings, is what I'm is saying. Old. She was yeah. So I that's a grain of salt there. It's also worth noting that the Treadwells were not the only residents. Uh, beyond the family, there is a rotating cast of Irish servant girls. I don't oh. know what accent this is.
0: Here we go. Uh,
1: and these were young women who cooked, cleaned, and generally served wealthy families like the Treadwells. Now they got terrible wages, even for the time—like three dollars, four dollars a month. But
0: you really segwayed out of that accent. Yeah, you, you, you start failing. Hard turn. You start failing. Like I'm gonna slowly see if he notices that <laughs> I'm gonna drop his accent. It's hard. Like they got terrible wages, and then they decided to. <laughs> <laughs> when.
1: So, so yeah, so they, they had, you know, it's not good money. You can make a lot more at a factory, but by living with a family, you can save on housing and healthcare and food. And it's Irish girls like these who were able to send millions of dollars back to Ireland to help get their families to America. So $20, for example, is the cost of steerage at the time. Now the Irish girls at the Treadwells lived in the attic. Um, And in fact, the Merchant House Museum is the longest continuous example of Irish habitation in New York. And so we don't have a ton of information about them. We just know generally what their lives would have been like. We have their names from census records. L- avid listeners will remember that I freaking love me a census record. And then in 1933, Gertrude Treadwell dies in the same house, in the same bed where she was born. Oh, And so how do we get from this lovely family home to a haunted house? Tell me. Well... Gertrude dies, and a smart cousin decides it's worth turning the house into a museum. And as the preparations are made, our first ghosts are reported. A female apparition, known often as the Lady in White, is one of the most frequent ghosts. Sometimes she appears young, sometimes elderly, always in the clothing of the period. So, for example, when a consultant arrived to appraise the clothing at the house, a stern woman appeared to be watching her as she did it. There was also a bunch of kids who were playing out front near the stoop in the early days of the preparations for the museum. They're playing, they're being kids, they're being loud, you know. And all of a sudden, you guessed it, a stern older woman comes out and tells them to be quiet. Apparently, she looked just like Gertrude. And I really enjoy the idea that Gertrude, even in death, is going out and shouting on, you know, to the kids, get off my lawn, that's type how I thing. Wanna, that's
0: that's why I want to be.
1: That, that's going to be your, your afterlife, shouting at kids, get off my lawn, get out of here. But it doesn't have to be just Gertrude who's haunting. Her two sisters also died in the house, right? And in fact, Phoebe Treadwell died in October 1907 because of a fall down the stairs, which broke her neck and femur. So pretty tragic. And staff and visitors alike say that there are cold spots and energy, bad energy on those stairs.
0: Oh, no. Yeah.
1: In 1974, the Daily News, which for the record, like every 10 years, the Daily News seems to write an article about the Merchant House Museum, like clockwork. Good for them. So in 1974... Keeping it relevant. Yeah, you know, they spoke with Judy Davis, who was a volunteer at the museum between 1966 and 1970. Judy said, I was sitting at the kitchen table and suddenly the pencil I was holding started moving. It seemed to be guided by a very powerful force, not me. And it wrote... Miss Treadwell is here. Mm. The handwriting was not my own. It was very large and flowery with a lot of loops, like old-fashioned penmanship. In 1989, a weekend site manager went around the building to close all the internal shutters. And when he got to the rear bedroom, Eliza's bedroom, so that's Mama Treadwell, uh, because for the record, I say Eliza's bedroom because apparently Victorian couples slept in separate rooms, Lucy and Desi style. So. Oh, wow. He goes to the rear bedroom, and the lights were already off, shutters closed and bolted, even though the manager had seen lights streaming into the room just a few minutes earlier. And lest you think it's only the females who haunt the building, there have been some sightings of Papa Treadwell Seabury. In the 1980s, a group of three men looking around the museum were blocked from going further down a hallway by an older gentleman. The staff had no idea what they were talking about because the three men were the only visitors at the time. When they were leaving, one of the men pointed to Seabury's portrait in the parlor and said that was the man that blocked them. In 2002, a young school kid said the same thing. He absolutely refused to go into the front bedroom because the man in the pictures downstairs was standing by the bed. And yes, in fact, that bedroom is where both Gertrude and Seabury died. One woman also got to meet Samuel Seabury when she was looking at some family photographs in the exhibition case. Apparently, a man came over to her and he had a long overcoat. She said he smelled of mothballs. He pointed to a portrait and said, He built the house. I knew him very well. And then vanished. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. The staff showed the visitor some portraits of the Treadwell family, and Samuel Seabury was picked out of the lineup as the gentleman she'd seen. And there's also non visual things that occur, right? So the scent of cigar smoke, the sound of a piano uh the smell of toasted bread or the sound of servant bells ringing why don't we take a break there adam and then we'll talk about some of the uh the more recent things that the museum has been up to with their ghosts
0: certainly so uh we'll take a break so you can hear some some cool sponsors and then uh we'll be back <laughs>
1: So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries.
0: But how would you like to solve your very own mystery?
1: Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery.
0: Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer.
1: So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NYMysteryMachine for 20% off the first
0: box. That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NYMysteryMachine.
1: Sign up now and begin.
0: We're back. We're we're, back. In, we're in Asta Place. We're in Asta Place. Oh, we love Asta, the Asta Place. The Merchant
1: House Museum, and we just finished going over some of the the sightings and hauntings and sights and sounds and smells of the museum, and. One thing that's really amazing is the museum has really changed its attitude about its ghostly inhabitants over time. So in the early 1970s, the secretary slash treasurer of the house didn't want to admit there were ghostly happenings. But these days, the museum not only sells a delightful book with visitor experiences, the paranormal within its walls. It also asks visitors to share their ghostly sightings with the museum, offers candlelight ghost tours and seized upon the pandemic to investigate further. The house was truly empty of all earthly presence, right? Because everyone is at home. Yeah. And they invited a scientist and a paranormal investigator to see what, if anything, was going bump in the night. Fair. So, Dan Sturges is a paranormal investigator who has been the museum sanctioned ghost hunter for well over a decade. He's methodical, thorough, keen to figure out earthly reasons for the sounds and sights he captures when investigating the house. And I attended one of these sessions uh, a little while ago. Uh, it was virtual. And he was really amazing sharing, like, the wealth of information about how he debunks things, right? The kind of equipment you use affects everything.
0: And we we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, too, just about yes. debunking things. Like, how it's the—basically, anytime you do anything paranormal, the, the priority isn't believing stuff. It's right. not believing stuff. Right. It's debunking.
1: Exactly. And this is this is the tack he takes, and he shared some super creepy sound bites from the recent investigations, as well as some of the greatest hits he's collected over time. And so that's what I'd like us to do here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some of those greatest hits that uh he he has courtesy you know, we're taking courtesy of his website.
0: It's like hey jude, but ghosts. But ghosts. Like new tag
1: new tagline. It's, it's like, like hey jude, but like, for ghosts.
0: I can't wait till the t shirt line comes out. So, you guys will buy it, right? May- at us let us know if you'll buy a it's like hey jude but But for ghosts ghosts. so i hope he uses that i give that to him as well
1: you really should mr Sturgis. i you know
0: here are my greatest hits like hey jude but But for ghosts
1: (laughs) so i'm gonna play two clips here's the first Here's the second. So those two audio clips are from the Merchant House Museum, recorded on the second floor, two different recorders, and what you're hearing are footsteps. And oh, I heard
0: I heard the steps.
1: Those footsteps. That's not the. Oh, that's not the investigator. W- one
0: would think that's. One like, yeah. would think no. They were they, fucking loud.
1: They were the investigators. Uh, were on the main floor of the house they were sitting and talking about calling it a night and they heard a a set of footsteps start in the room directly above them which was mrs treadwell's room which is where the laptop they had they had left the laptop in there and then they heard them walk down the hall into the next room mr treadwell's which is where a voice recorder was and so these two clips are from those two devices and they're essentially tracking the movement of these footsteps from one room to the other so on one nice. they start to dim on the other they start to come into focus yeah
0: i, I was, at first i was like i've been listening for a voice but once you said "sit," like, that was very clear
1: yeah the other thing is that you know a lot of times um with this kind of investigation with evps um which is electronic voice phenomenon for those who don't know uh you get raw audio and then you have to like clean up the white noise. Yeah, yeah. And so we have an example of the the two things here. So I'll play the the raw audio the raw. first. The
0: beautiful Sarah Bass.
1: So the first the first voice you hear is one of the investigators. And that's um what they say what they're saying is um here the beautiful Sarah Bass, which is one of the co-investigators. Here's the boosted audio of that so that second sound is what you are yeah listening. there's
0: something there's something after it this clearly something after his voice yeah
1: can you make out at all yeah it's a tough one apparently what i think the voice has something like you know fair enough sort of like commenting on her looks which play it
0: again yeah the boosted version yeah i hear fair enough fair enough i hear fair enough i know it's one of those things where it's like well if someone tells you what it is you can hear what it is but I don't care, I hear fair
1: enough. Yeah, which I kind of love, like, that sort of sassy sort of, like, oh, she's fair she's enough. Fair I enough. Guess
0: she's fair enough.
1: Well, it, thinking about, you know, what you, you know, being told to hear a particular thing versus hearing it, I'm curious how you feel about this next one.
0: All right, here we go. That's a good question, Sarah. Whoa! You guys, full transparency, right? So I'm... I'm I'm going to put these clips in the episode so you hear them better, but I am just listening on my headset and Christina just put her phone next to the microphone and I heard it so clear.
1: What'd you hear, Adam?
0: I c I, I couldn't understand the words, but there was a female's voice clearly speaking. Yeah. Can you play it again? Yeah. Here.
1: That's a good question, sir.
0: I don't want like it's like I don't want like, to it, like, answer hair questions. It's something like I don't it's like, I don't want to something
1: apparently something like a
0: little orphan Annie sorry. I don't want to
1: <laughs> so you know the, the investigator says don't be afraid Sarah and the response that they hear is I am not afraid
0: yeah yeah it just sounded like I'm, I'm not. it sounded like that I heard exact mm-hmm. that cadence.
1: So that is an incredible one, I think. And what's even more incredible? That is not a boosted clip. That is the raw wow. audio from that. There's also this really fucking creepy picture.
0: I am not afraid. I won't grow up. It sounds like little orphan Annie, folks. If a orphan was a ghost, which it could be.
1: So this is the picture.
0: Oh, I don't like that picture, Christina. We'll post it on the social media. How would you
1: describe it?
0: Haunting is what I would describe it. Oh, I don't like that.
1: What's going on? Describe it for the viewer.
0: It's like a, like a, it looks like a purse, like a man, like mm-hmm. a, like a shouldery thing. And, and this is not the person taking the photo? No,
1: it's not the person taking the photo.
0: And how are we sure of that?
1: Because this photo was submitted to Dan Sturges by someone who had, Taken a picture at, at the museum.
0: But it's not him in the picture? Uh-uh.
1: Because they tried. It did to... a
0: mirror, folks. That's, yes. the, that's the situation. And they right
1: tried, here. they know what room it was in. And they tried to recreate that photograph from all the angles you possibly could.
0: Flash to flash, every way. Of exactly.
1: Doing it. And as I understand it, the only angle it would be possible would have been for the woman who took the picture sure. to somehow like get on the bed and like have the camera at the right angle to get this random man.
0: Wow. As
1: a reflection. So, weird stuff.
0: Weird stuff.
1: Who do you, I mean, there, clearly we've heard some folks, you know.
0: I think it's that, the original fam. You think it's the, the, the Treadwells. The Treadwells. Yeah. I mean, it feels, and then, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I, that feels like it checks out. Maybe mm-hmm. the Irish girls.
1: hmm And I think it's interesting too because, you know. They're
0: they the servants, right? The Irish girls? yes yeah
1: yeah 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 um and i think you know it's interesting too to think about you know you brought up the riot earlier we mentioned briefly yellow fever and cholera you know there are mass graves in different parts of the city from yellow fever um uh uh, victims yeah so it's interesting to think about how much of a place has to be the people who lived in it or what just happened in the area um but i think there's a lot of a little bit of evidence that this is the family here too.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much. I mean, you, you got to think of the time. You th- we're thinking 1830, but you say 1830.
1: Oh, this is uh, 1835. Well, it was built in 1832, and then they move in in 1835, and they live till
0: 1933. Yeah. Till 1933.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gertrude was almost hundred.
0: Wow. Yeah. I was like, certainly you don't mean 19.
1: Oh no, I I, I, I I meant what I said.
0: I mean that I mean that woman has saw everything. Yeah. I mean, to to live through the Civil War, to live through World War One, to live through World War two No No not yet, not yet not yet, <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet, I know years, forties. <laughs> I know years,
1: but she saw the rise of Adolf. A, of a fascist Europe, right? She sees the the destabilization that's coming happening. out
0: of a time with so much English English terrible English sentiment in the city, mm-hmm. and it's crazy too. And this is a crazy tangent. I don't want it to be such a tangent, but like this woman lives a life in which she sees exactly. How Hitler takes power mm-hmm. in her very own eyes, right? She mm-hmm. sees the racism towards Irish immigrants and towards Italian immigrants, certainly towards African Americans from from the get go. Native Amer- like she sees all that and then lives all the way up until the point where 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 I was about to say Caesar, where <laughs> um, Hitler is about to take power from 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 in Germany. That's kind of crazy the yeah. life she lives, and so to also imagine the life that that house has lived. Yeah with that
1: absolutely and i think um you've 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 led me to uh something i wanted to end on anyway and there is this wonderful book that came to my attention because it does reference the merchant house museum and it's called ghostland an american history it's by colin dickett published 2017 and it's an exploration of hauntings in america and he asked the question you know what is a ghost what causes ghosts how do we live with ghosts and it's it's he says that it's not about the truth or falsity of any claims of ghosts this book instead focuses on questions of the living how do we deal with stories about the dead and their ghosts how do we inhabit and move through spaces that have been deemed haunted
0: Mm.
1: and you know you just mentioned this idea of of a house living through all these events right and so if you'll indulge me It's such a beautifully poetic book. I highly recommend it. I will indulge you. Um, This is a a series of just some quotes I pulled from a couple of the chapters that I I think relates to what you mentioned. Instead of, or perhaps in addition to, the supernatural, old buildings are haunted by their memories,
0: Mm.
1: memories of those who once inhabited them and the memories we bring to them were conditioned after all to conflate memory and physical space. Just as imaginary houses may be used to help us remember things, real physical houses may have their own memories, or at least memories we project onto them. A haunted house is a memory palace made real, a physical space that retains memories that might otherwise be forgotten, or that might remain only in fragments. Under the invisible weight of these memories, the habits of those who once haunted these places, we feel the shudder of the ghost. Searching for ghosts can be an attempt to reconstruct what is lost. By sifting through time for stories that have been misplaced or forgotten, we listen to the voices that call out to be remembered. Our ghost stories center on unfinished endings, broken relationships, things left unexplained. They offer an alternative kind of history, foregrounding what might otherwise be ignored. Ghost stories are a way of talking about things we're not otherwise allowed to discuss, a forbidden history we thought bricked up safely in the walls. Just as Gertrude Treadwell's life has informed the ghost stories that now circulate around her, so too does the legend of her ghost make meaning out of her life. Those aspects of a life that are discontinuous, fragmented, or unexpected are made whole through the ghost story. Paying attention to the way ghost stories change through the years and why those changes are made can tell us a great deal about how we face our fears and our anxieties. Even when these stories have a basis in fact in history, there's often significant embellishment and fabrication before they catch on in our own imagination. And teasing out these alterations is key to understanding how ghosts shape our relationship to the past. Houses seem to live, in other words, because we spend so much time living in them. Buried inside the word inhabit is habit, Mm. a way of being, the patterns and repetitions of life. Houses are designed with certain patterns of behavior in mind, even though those patterns sometimes change faster than architecture can keep up. And of course, everyone will use a house differently, leave different patterns of wear. This is another way to make sense of that haunting sensation, to walk into a home and recognize, even if you can't name the feeling, that someone else not only lived here, but adopted patterns of life completely alien to your own, whose daily ritual and marks of wear will never match your own. Haunted houses are the repository of the dreams dreamt inside them, both our dreams and those of previous occupants. This can make even the most simple of houses feel, at times, alive.
0: Wow, so eloquent, so smart.
1: Highly recommend. It's it's all beautifully written like that.
0: And who wh- 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 what's the what's the book?
1: It is Ghostland and American History by Colin Dickett, published 2017.
0: Hmm. I think that's going to go on the on the reading list. On, the,
1: on our, our little uh, bibliography for ghosts. No. <laughs>
0: New <laughs> York Mystery Machine uh, book club, basically. Yeah. I'll uh, we'll put that on the list because that sounds really great. Something I definitely want to check out as well. Um, so be sure to check that out. Um, Christina, people want to... They still they they do stuff at the Merchant House.
1: Yeah, they do, and you should absolutely go. They do amazing programming, um, both ghostly and just historical. And uh, one thing that I'll I'll flag too: can we have
0: a can we have a party there? Can we have an event Ooh. at the Merchant House? I oh, don't know. we may have, have an ask event them real at the nice. Merchant
1: House. I'll say that they um there is a petition right now because they're actually in in danger physically because the the lot next door is being built up and even though they are you know designated landmark, a landmark
0: the construction can the construction
1: it can really damage it so there's there's a petition if you go to their website to essentially save it
0: what's their website
1: the website adam is emergenthouse.org.
0: and uh yeah if you go there um you a you can see some cool pictures of the yeah. house but also um I just I'm, I have it up on my screen right now, and it just shows you everything that's happening there. Um, now that you know COVID's getting a little better, things are opening, yeah. and this is one of those places that are opening. Um, they do rentals, just so you know, okay. for weddings, private parties, photo gallery rentals. So there's there's things, so maybe the Merchant House will be on our list of places to perhaps to chat with, do a do a little live event. Um, so be sure to check out Merchant House Museum. Uh, it's merchanthouse.org. Um and sign that petition. Yes. Um I'm here on it. I literally am going to sign this petition the minute we we click we click recording off or stop. <laughs> stop. I suppose Someone that's what stop. it's called. <laughs> um because it's really important. It's important. You guys, it's it's so important to keep these places if 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 for nothing. Like if you don't believe there's a single bit of paranormal stuff in there, um, Old New York is great New York, yeah. um, and buildings like this from the 1800s are slowly fading away, and again, like Christina said, just because a building is landmark does not mean it's safe. Yeah, um, There are ways of ruining buildings and constructing things right next to them is a surefire way of doing it, because buildings built in the 1800s were not meant to survive the impact of 2021-style construction. Yeah so
1: it would be a real it would be such a loss
0: it would be a terrible loss I've passed by that museum so much yeah. there's a bar across the street, across street from the museum that I've frequented, I've frequented many times in my life mm-hmm. anytime I'm in the Astor Place uh, area from going to the public theater mm-hmm. I sometimes like to go to that bar so like it's a really cool uh, I forgot the name of it but it's a really cool like little bar mm-hmm. um old school style and so um yeah, save. Make sure we're doing what we can to save to save this space and save our New York spaces. Uh, to something being in the show, if you're interested in donating to the show, being a patron, head on over to patreoncom machine. Of course, follow us on our social medias: ny at ny mysteries at Twitter, at ny mystery machine on Facebook and Instagram. Um, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, all those things. Christina, that was such a... I'm so glad we finally got to that.
1: Finally it, did it.
0: I'm so glad because it was so fruitful. We got some really cool audio stuff that we haven't done before on the show. Yeah. Um, and so um, be sure uh, to, to... If you're interested in more stuff, like this, check it on out. Um, that's all we got for today, folks.
1: Thanks for being with us.
0: Thanks for being with us. I've been Adam Mace. I've been Christina Marinelli. Ooh, we
1: Christina Marinelli. it became real tiny.
0: <laughs> uh, and thanks for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. As always, it's Tony Hall a Ghosts. Bye.